0: Now, I don't know if you remember, and this is interesting, in 1982, now some of you weren't even born in 1982, but in on September 24th was a release date. Now let me show you the artist, and if you know what I'm talking about, okay? It was a song, 1999. Do you remember, like, party like it's 1999? And I remember in 1982 that I'm going, how do you party like it's 1999? That is 17 years from now. What would we be doing in 1999? That was 21 years ago. And it just shows you how much we have aged, how much we have changed. And the reason I'm doing this and talking about 1982, because that was a profound, profound year of my life. In 1982 was a year that I felt called to the ministry. And I remember in the beginning of 1983, the New Year Eve in 1983, I made it a prayer. I begged God that I said, I don't want any disabilities. I want to be healed for my life. I don't want to take my tremors with me anymore. I'm tired of it. I've had them since I was seven years old, and so therefore this is long enough. And so I, I prayed and I made a resolution that this year in 1983 that the doctors will find something that will cure me from it, because I did not think there is any way in the world that I could go into ministry with disabilities. Have you ever seen a pastor, with the exception of me, that has tremors or a learning disability or speech impediment? You don't see this. And so therefore, there's in our lives that we say, Lord, take this weakness away from me. I don't want it anymore because I want to fit in. I don't want to stick out. And I want to conform to what people think a pastor should be. And so today, I want to talk about weaknesses in our lives. Because sometimes in our lives that we just want to get rid of these weaknesses that we have. It may be an intellectual weakness, a physical weakness, a relational weakness, a financial weakness, whatever that weakness may be. And a lot of us, what we do is when we come to church or we go to work or or come home in our family, we kind of deny that we have any weaknesses. I didn't do that. That's not me. I'm not that person. Or like me, you stick your hands in your pockets. So the tremor is not seen, and so sometimes we deny it or we blame other people for weaknesses. And so today I want to talk about this, and, and 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 it's interesting because when I committed myself to ministry, I believe the Lord called me to the ministry, but the Lord called me to use my weaknesses within my ministry, which I thought was fascinating. Why would you want me to? Why would you want to use weaknesses? because all the pastors I've seen, man, they were fantastic. Fred Price, you remember him? Fred Price had his own church here called the Faith Dome. And I used to watch Fred Price and I used to be amazed on how he spoke. And so not that I could be an incredible black preacher, but he didn't have what I have. And so, but God has tendency to say, my ways are greater than your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. And so, therefore, I believe that God said, you know what? I've called you to the ministry. I've called you in, in, in to live this incredible life. But I'm going to use your weaknesses as well. And so, I just go, wow. Because, therefore, the dependency on God always has to be there not the dependency on self, like I'm good, I'm good at this. Where the ego controls it, but God controls it. Let me give you the definition of weaknesses because sometimes we think weakness is uh, uh, I overeat or like chocolate or anything. That's not what weakness is. But weakness is a limitation of your life that you either inherited or you cannot change. So I did not go, before I came down to earth, I did not choose, I could, let me have that body, let me have those looks, let me have this, let me have these parents. There's a lot of things in life that we didn't choose. I, I mean, if I had a choice, Rockefeller, yeah, I want that, my parents. You know, that's not going to happen. And so we, pre, we have this, so sometimes we are predisposition for depression, where a lot of us struggle with depression. It doesn't matter how much you depend on the Holy Spirit of the Lord, that you always will battle on depression or worrying. Some of us, when we became Christians, we think the worrying is going to stop. We still worry. We still get stressed out. Or we surrender our temper to the Lord. And sometimes, man, that's one thing that you struggle with day in and day out is your temper. And you're just going to control it, control it, control it, and don't lose it. And so he says, I have a plan even for your weakness as well. 1 Corinthians, and I love Apostle Paul because he's very authentic with his teaching and his writing. He says this, God purposely, okay, he made a choice, chose what the world considers nonsense in order to put wise men to shame. And what the world considers weak in order to put powerful men to shame. You know you don't look as good as your resume, right? You're not as good as your resume. I'm not as good as my resume, because when I I put my resume together 22 years ago, I go, dang, dude, I look good. I'm not my resume. And so there's weaknesses in my life. So how do we deal with these limitations? How do we deal with these limitations in 2020? There are three steps that I've learned back in 1982, and I still have to continue to learn, is first, I've got to admit that I have weaknesses. You know it's people that are prideful, that don't admit they have problems, and they blame everybody else around them for it? And so therefore, I don't need to pretend that I have it all together. Let me tell you, if you've been part of this church more than a week, you know that I don't have it together. I don't have it all together. I really don't. And so we got to stop hoping that our weaknesses would just go away and stop making excuses for them. Embrace them and admit that I have one. And here's another one. The attitude of gratitude. You ever heard that? That's my New Year's resolution. I'm going to be more uh, attitude of gratitude. And usually it's the attitude when you're gratitude, you have this attitude of the good things that are happening. But how about the, the gratitude for your weaknesses as well? Thank you, Lord. Okay, I have a tremor, but at least they move. I'm not paralyzed, you know? At least I'm not in extreme pain. I'm in pain, but not extreme pain. And so therefore, I'm grateful about my weakness. Paul says this, I cheerfully made up my mind. Remember Paul also said the transformation begins by the renewing of your mind. So when you cheerfully cheerfully made up your mind to be proud of my weaknesses, because that means a deeper experience of the power of Christ in my life when I have weaknesses. That's another point that I'm learning. It guarantees God's power because I'm depending on him. There, There's ways in the world that I have to literally pray every day. Oh, please, Lord, don't make this tremor, tremor a fool out of me today. And there has to be a dependency. I'll put the scripture up here. If you can show it up on the screen because I don't have it. God says, I am with you. That's all you need. My power shows up best in weak people. And so therefore, there's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit when you embrace your weaknesses, that he can use these weaknesses. Then Paul says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. The less I have, the more dependent I am of him. This is where when I sit here, every Sunday not every Sunday but most Sundays and I pray Lord let me make some sense let me make some sense and then I, I have to pray I literally have to pray every Sunday fill me with your Holy Spirit now fill it now and there's a feeling that I get oh the Holy Spirit's there because if the Holy Spirit is not in me when I'm standing up here oh it's a joke it really is it's a big joke. And there's times that I will here and I don't have the feeling of the Holy Spirit, but I have to take steps of faith and go, okay, I got five steps. The Holy Spirit better kick in. And I go, oh, he's not kicking in yet. He's not kicking in yet. And then I go, good morning. And then he kicks in. And so sometimes we, we want to sit on our spiritual butt and have the Holy Spirit kick in. He ain't kicking in till you move. That's what's gonna happen. You've gotta take steps of faith. And this is important. The second one, it causes me to value others. Let's look at the scripture because I don't have it. It causes me to, oh, it prevents arrogance. Let's go on that one. The prevents arrogance is powerful. Because weaknesses, we embrace our humility through our weaknesses. There's no way. Yeah, you try acting cocky when you can't hold a mug. (laughs) <laughs> it ain't going to work you know oh yeah I did that on purpose that's not cool it does your weaknesses prevents major arrogance I think there's a scripture up there too to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations there was given to me a thorn in my flesh this is the apostle Paul said this and so the apostle Paul he was the most arrogant person on the planet when he was formerly known as Saul because he was a big religious person. I mean, the pride problems. He was the best of the best. And so therefore, he said the thorn in the flesh, which nobody knows what the thorn in the flesh, a lot of people say that was a wife. We don't know. <laughs> I'm kidding. And, 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 but for me, you know, I love it when the guys laugh and the women go, well, what the heck are you laughing at? You're a big thorn too. But it's interesting, the Apostle Paul doesn't talk about what the thorn was. For me, it's a tremor. It's a learning uh, disability. It also caused me to value others. This is where all of us don't get all the pieces to the puzzle. We need one another. It's interesting for me, one of the big things for pastors is when they do communion, when they hold these dishes up like this and they go, this is the body of the that died for you, you know, this is the blood that represents, it's cool how they do this. I can't do that. I have to sit there and wait for somebody to give me my communion because I can't handle it. I have to put this on my lap. I have to psychologically calm myself down so somebody can do this, and then I have a line then I have to go, okay, try to get it, try to get it, try to get it. But it's a dependence on others. It's You're using your gifts that I don't have to help me with communion. And the same thing, this is important how it, how it causes us to value one another. It also gives you a ministry because your greatest ministry, I believe, is your greatest from, is from your greatest weaknesses. You know, we don't connect through our successes. We connect through our brokenness. We connect through grief. I did a funeral a few weeks ago And uh, somebody asked me at the funeral, do you do a lot of weddings? And I said, yes, uh, but I do a lot of funerals. He goes, which one do you prefer? I go, funerals. (laughs) I prefer funerals. Because funerals are more authentic, people are more real during funeral than weddings. Because it's all on, 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 you know, stuff like this. I enjoy weddings, but man, you emotionally connect with everybody during funeral because grief connects us together. And so therefore, your deepest hurts can become your greatest ministry. The next point I want to share is be willing to share about your weaknesses. You must be open about it and not defend about it. Now if you're, let me show you this clip. And if you don't know this clip, it's because you're under 55, okay? But it's just the beginning of a show, and it kind of hints around the show, if you remember this. Show the clip. You can, okay. There you go. What show is that from? Good for you. Not under 50 years old, you're going, what in the world? And the thing is, in, in, in the early 70s, I begged my dad, because the Flip Wilson show was on at 8 o'clock. And I said, Dad, my bedtime was 8 o'clock. Please let me stay up until 8.15. Because my favorite character was Geraldine. <laughs> Do you remember Geraldine? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm just fascinated with men wearing women's clothing. I don't know what it is. But Geraldine. And you know Geraldine's favorite? Because she was a great theologian. What you see is what you get. And the thing is, that's what being authentic is, is being willing to share. This is who I am. This is who you are. And this is what I have to deal with. And so it's called vulnerability. Now somebody, there, there are times in our lives that I've been in ministry for 37 years, I guess. And I've been here for 21 years. And the reason a lot of pastors, the average pastor lasts in a church under five years Under five years. When you, the percentage of people like myself that started in the ministry all the way to retirement, 2%. Because there's high expectations in pastors. And see, this is one thing I've learned. Do you know in history of James Cook? He was the one that discovered the Hawaiian Islands, the South American Islands. I don't know how you discover islands when there are people on the islands, but you discover it. Okay. That's how it works. I don't get history sometimes. But anyway, so he went to island and island. And one island, they treated him like a god. But if you know this, that he went off the island, got worried about his boat capsizing or sinking, and turned his ship around and went back to the island. It broke the image that he was this godlike. And they killed him because what happens when you put people on these huge pedestals of perfection that it's going to break it and so when you lead with authenticity when you lead with your weaknesses there's no projection of perfection you're giving what you see is what you get and so therefore you will see how your longevity at work within marriages with anything is being real and being honest with yourselves. The next one is emotional healthy. It takes a lot of effort for me to project perfection. Have you noticed that? That all of a sudden when you go into, with me, denominational meetings and they go, hey, how's church? Good, how's church with you? stick my hands in my pockets, I go like this, I walk around, you know, and, and pretending I'm something that I'm really not. And so this maintaining perfection is emotionally draining on a lot of us. And so just being real. And what what's called is dropping the mask and saying, you know what? I've got to be myself. And so therefore it's important. The Bible says confess to one another your sins. It doesn't say confess to the priest or con- just confess to God, but to one another. See, if you're part of a AA group or all-in-all group, you'll notice this, that you're as sick as your secrets, Right? And so when you're sick as your secrets, that basically it's saying, in order to be healthy, stop having secrets and being open with who you are. And this is what I, I love going to AA meetings to visiting or hearing people that are alcoholics. They're the ones that said, I'm an alcoholic. This is who I am. This is what I've done. And they share those stories. And there's no BS, and sorry, there's no lies. When it comes to AA groups, right? It's the most authentic church service there is is those AA groups. Because they're honest. They'll tell you. And you know what? If you're pulling a, a, one on them, they'll, they'll catch it. You'll know a person that's an AA because they can see right through it. And they'll make it clear that they can see through this. This is where, for me, when it comes to hypocrisy within the church... And I I used to get up on on my tangent and go, there's hypocrites all over the church, and I don't want to be part of the church. And then I realized that I'm a hypocrite. Seriously. Because a hypocrite puts off on a facade. How are you doing? Great. Praise God. Hallelujah. No, you're not. I might be a hypocrite. Just be honest. If you're having a bad day, tell me you're having a bad day. Don't tell me what I want to hear. So then we can pray. And so this is where it's important for a church to be authentic with one another. The next one is spiritually empowering. And the Bible says in James, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. This is interesting because grace and humility kind of coexist together. You can't embrace grace with pride. You embrace it with humility. You'll learn this in Grace Track as well, too. And the thing is, if we got what we deserve, then it would be, a, life would be hell. But grace is, is you get what you need, not what you deserve. And so therefore grace, how much grace do I need this week to make it through dealing with people that I necessarily don't like? Dealing with people in my marriage when if it's going a difficulty or dealing with conflicts, the grace that I need? How do we get grace? We humble ourselves, and by humbling ourselves, is being honest with our brokenness, honest with our weakness. Humility is denying your strength. Humility is embracing your weaknesses in life. And so the next one is relationally attractive. Who wants to be around an arrogant person? Nobody. Have you ever done a road trip with an arrogant person? That's why you're driving 140 miles an hour down residential streets just to get it over with. <laughs> yeah. Look, either way, I'm going to die. this trip goes longer, I'm going to die. But man, I'm, I'm dying now. Because they're, they're know-it-alls. It doesn't matter what subject you're talking about. They have an answer for it. Seriously, I didn't know you were a doctor. You know, seriously, I didn't know you were an astronaut. How, how long were you in that capsule? You know, you're just going, you know? And then, and then, am I right? Okay, I'm not the only one. And so, therefore, these hypocritical, self-centered, egotistical, narcissistic people can drive you nuts. But when you have a person that is just truly humble and truly loves just being around you and life and doesn't have to prove anything, man, you know, there's people that drain you and people that feed you, Right? Everyone needs a person that drains them. I I get that. But you don't need six. You you just need one, okay? And so you have people that just feed you, people you like. None of you drain me. None of you drain me. (laughs) And so whenever you go and share your strength, you're always being in competition. And so vulnerability is, is one of the key things. One thing, the next thing I've noticed, it's a mark of leadership. And this is one thing I've learned about being a pastor, even through my brokenness, even through my uh, weaknesses, that I can be a leader because of my weaknesses. And so therefore, a leader is, it's interesting, leadership can be summed up not in title, but a leader is a person that influences, right? Because I can say, I'm the leader of this church, but if if I have no influence over you... I'm not a leader, and so how do you build influence? How do you build trust? Because to influence influence someone, they have to trust you. In order to trust, you have to have what's called credibility. Now, when you get a loan, it's interesting, they ask for, they go, yes, the loan application, what they do is they ask for your social security number, which I don't get, because social security number is supposed to be for your social security, but they use it for everything now. But what they're doing is they're going, we just need to do a credit check on you. Because they wanna see, a credit check is a credibility check. That's what it is. They're seeing if you're credible in order to loan you money. If you're not credible, they're gonna loan you the money at an extreme amount of interest because they're taking a big risk in trusting you. And so, let me tell you this. Every day, somebody's doing a credibility check with you. I promise you, when you. Every time you get in a conversation with your children, or you're walking around, or even if you're new to the church, you're doing a credibility check with me. You're going to see if I'm consistent with what I preach. Because you're going to say, I wonder if he's credible. Because if he's credible, then I can learn to trust him. Then he can influence me then he can lead me. Do you see what I mean? And so therefore, people want authenticity in leadership. You don't want someone to say, I need to do this. And you go, what are you up to? You know what I mean? I I don't trust you. We have bosses like that. Thank goodness Brooke and and, um, Ruben have this incredible boss. <laughs> that they don't have to second guess his motives they just got to figure out his motives you know not second guess it and so this is where you learn to be honest this is where I like the word says no judgment and just love because judgment is being hypocritical. and so when we, when we learn about no judgment only love this is powerful because when we speak the truth in love And see, that's tragic to most churches because most churches will not embrace your weaknesses. Well, let's look at the Old Testament. If we look at the Old Testament, some of the characters, like Moses, okay? Credible leader, right? But if you understand anything about Moses, this guy had an anger issue. He had an anger issue, that was his biggest weaknesses. In fact, we know that he killed an Egyptian. We know that he struck a rock that God told him to speak. You know that he was angry enough that he was holding the Ten Commandments, and he just threw them down and broke them. This guy had anger issues. But he was so patient with bringing all these people into the Promised Land, you know, all these new children into the Promised Land. And so you look at what some of his greatest weaknesses became some of his greatest strength. And it's interesting also, God called two people an entire Bible meek. He called Jesus meek, and you know who else he called meek? Moses. Talking about taking greatest weaknesses and making them into greatest strength. Do you remember King David? Mr. Purity? Okay, King David, think about this. A man after God's own heart. That's what it was. And you look at King David and you go, seriously? This guy was an adulteress? This guy had this husband who loved his wife, killed. But yet his greatest weakness became one of his greatest strengths. And so you look at, at this, and so David's greatest area of failure turned into being one of his biggest strengths of his life. But God just turned it around. Abraham. Abraham is known as a father of faith. Study Abraham. This dude did not have any faith. In fact, when he was caught, he was caught with his wife. Do you remember what he said? Say, he said, hey, you're my sister. You know? That's what he said, to prevent him from getting caught. This one guy was not a man of faith at that time. That was his weakness. But yet, when we read... He's known of the Father. Gideon, do you remember the story of Gideon? Gideon's crazy because as we know the Gideon, Gideon uh, was a young man when the enemy nation had taken over Israel. There was 135,000 troops occupying Israel. So God went to the smallest tribe of the 12 tribes of Israel, found the poorest family, and picked the youngest kid in the family. And then he says "He says this, you're going to be deliverer and the mighty man of valor. Where was he? He was hiding in a cave. Okay? He was hiding. And God said, you're going to be a man of valor. He had no courage. But yet God took his greatest weakness and made it into his greatest strength. Look at Peter. <laughs> if there was hashtags back in those days, this would be it. Because if he had his own Facebook, God said, you are my rock, right? I mean, rock. This is what he calls Peter. And, 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 and this is where Peter, hashtag impulsive, hashtag foot in the mouth, hashtag do something impulsively, hashtag later regret it, hashtag I'll never deny you. <laughs> are I Right? Okay, this is the most unstable, unstable person on the planet. But yet God said, this is my rock, which I'm going to build my church. I'm the most unstable person. The last one is the best because I always make fun of my godson because self-esteem is totally overrated. But if you look at Jacob in the Bible, Jacob's interesting because Jacob was known as a deceiver, a manipulator. He would start things and then leave them, and he would take off. You know people like that? Stir things up and then leave. Stir things up and leave. And so therefore he had this dream that he was wrestling with God. And he said to God, I want you to bless me. I need you to bless me. And God said, okay, I'll bless you. Then he grabs the thigh and pulls his hip right out of his socket. You know that the biggest muscle, the biggest strength you have in your body is your thigh muscle? And God goes, pulls it right out. Okay, I'm gonna bless you. And all of a sudden, he's going, oh shoot. (laughs) I'm blessed, but I'm walking with a total limp. And the limp ain't going away. And this is why I think that God pulled his muscle. God wanted him to be a constant reminder God wanted him to have a constant reminder that he had to depend on him. And the thing is, I look at this in 1982, and I go, that makes sense. That makes complete sense in my life. But it's interesting, when he changed his name to Israel, it means Prince of God. Not schemer, not manipulator, now he's known as the Prince of God. And so you look at this, God has a track record of taking people's weaknesses and making them into strength, but you and I keep hiding our weaknesses. So how in the world can God do this incredible miracle? Even Jesus says this, although he died on the cross in weakness, Jesus now lives in the mighty power of God. We too are weak, but we live in him and have God's mighty power. Let me give you an insight, and I'll close on this. Uh, David Babri and, uh, and I have been working together, and he had this gentleman that he goes, have you tried looking at deep brain stimulation surgery? I think that's right, that's right. And I, I go to neurologists neurologist every five to 10 years, and so David said he knows the guy that had that surgery, here's his phone number, and I contacted him. And so when I went to the neurologist, you know, and they, they're giving me a medication, I go, I wanna do steep, I want to do surgery of the deep brain stimulations. And I kept bringing it up. And I kept saying, do you think I'm a candidate for it? And she said, yes. And so, and February 7th, I had to do what's called a genetic test. And if they discover that the tremor is genetic, they can't do anything about it. But what it is, is two, three surgeries that you have. It's called two of its brain surgery. And they can go in your brain, they wake you up, and then they go, okay, move your left hand, and they do things in your brain when you're awake. They cause it to stop. Then they heal it up, do the right side the next week, then take it, do the right hand, and then they put a stimulator thing a thing in your chest that runs up to your neck that you turn on and off, and you can make it strong and weak. And the gentleman that I was talking to, his tremors are exactly like mine, and he turns it on, and if he turns it on completely full, his hands are completely stopped from shaking. And so on February 7th, I've had this tremor for 50 years so if i'm a candidate i'll know february 7th then february 7th i'll go into surgery and then i'm getting so excited about oh i'm not going to shake here's the thing four people that i told did not look happy for me they go oh and i'm going are you i could be healed they're saying I don't want you to change because your ego is go, could kick in so hard and I think about that and I go wow and so therefore I begin to pray this Lord if this pulls away from you if my dependency pulls away from you then don't make me a candidate Because my relationship with you is far more deeper and important than fixing this. Do you see what I mean? So sometimes because of that weakness that you have, you're not a jerk. You're not a jerk. But this, this tremor has kept me humble. So if it's healed, these four people that love me to death are worried about that. I can't guarantee it. But so I want to encourage you today is, is embrace your weakness. Embrace it. Be what God has called you to be. He can use these weaknesses and, and make them incredible ways. And if the Lord provides a healing for me next year, which I've never been this close before in my life, then I just pray that I can remain who I am and continue to be who I am. That's my prayer. But, uh, but also my prayer, Lord, if this makes me arrogant, let me be like Moses. Let me be like Jacob. Let me be like David. Use, Continue to use my weaknesses and make them into strengths.